0: The Five Star Zone with Rico Beard and Howard Griffith.
1: Welcome to the Five Star Zone. Happy New Year, everybody. It's 2023, but it's still the same hosts, Rico Beard, Howard Griffith from the Big Ten Network. And Howard, we got a lot to break down. The semifinal games, the Big Ten. You know, if I would have told you and any Big Ten person, Kevin Warren, that both Big Ten teams would score 40-plus points in the semifinal games, you'd probably be thinking, "Oh, Michigan, Ohio State gonna be playing each other." <laughs> but in the words of Lee Corso, "Not so fast, my friend." Did not happen, Howard. And then, and, and we were supposed to have an episode before the show, but I just want to let you, the listeners, know, had an accident. So, you know, fortunately, Howard and Evan were nice enough; they postponed it. I was going to meet up with Howard out in Phoenix. Pipe bursted pipe burst and neighbor calls me. I think I hear some water running. Something's going on. I knew it couldn't have been a good call because she called so early in the morning. Sure enough, how it, it was like a water park in there. It was water oh, wow. shooting everywhere. Uh, the alarm is, it, it was like a week. It sounded like a weak wet alarm. Cause it had been going on <laughs> for so long, but the box was soaked. Yeah. It, it was not good. Long story short, uh place got totaled out, so yeah.
0: Oh my word!
1: So yeah, yeah I, I, I
0: guess the water had been running for a while. Then by the time I was able to get shut off, about
1: five hours. Wow! Happened in the middle of the night, and they heard it early in the morning when they got up. So mm-hmm. yeah, she they happened to be walking past, and was like, "Something! I hear something!" So that's what happened. We didn't skip out on you. Life happens sometimes, so I do apologize to everybody, Howard. I, I still owe you a lunch or a dinner. I, I was planning on meeting up and hooking up with you out there, but we, we could just start there. Um, Michigan, TCU. First of all, I got to give it up to the college football playoff committee. It took nine years, Howard. Mm-hmm. They finally did it. They got it right. Man.
0: Because Dude, after the first
1: game. game, you're thinking, okay, well, the next game won't be that good. Right. It may have been better.
0: Two incredible games. Right. Really, really um, you, you talk about both teams, all, really all four teams. Um, you know, I, I've always known if you look back at, at recent semifinals and championship games, you got to be able to go out and score 35 plus points if you expect to win. And, right. You know, I know teams come in and they say, hey, we've got an outstanding defense and we can do this and we can do that. But man, this game, at that point, when you get to that four teams, it's about scoring points and being able to answer. And not just kick field goals, it's about putting the ball in the end zone. And it seemed like, shoot, the last team with the ball in their hand was, was really
1: ultimately what was going to happen. It, 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 right. Can you score points? Can you get that key third or fourth down stop? Can you get at least three of them in the game? And mm-hmm. that may be the difference. And we'll get, in, in the MVP of the Georgia-Ohio State game was Kirby Smart, in my opinion. He sniffed out that fake punt, called a timeout. I didn't see it. He saw it. That, I think, sealed the game for Georgia. But let's start off with the first game, Michigan-TCU. Howard, it looked like Michigan was just going to be a hot knife through butter because normally there's always a blowout game and a close game in the playoffs. I thought this was the blowout game. Vegas thought this was the blowout game. First play of the game when Donovan Edwards is running down the field. I think everybody kind of thought, okay, it is going to be that easy. Yeah. But then on a fourth and one, they ran the, their version of that Philly special. Mm-hmm. I, what were you guys saying in the press box? Because I'm thinking it had to be a, you called a timeout. So you yeah. kind of took away the element of surprise. There had to be a better play than this slow developing play. I didn't think they used Donovan Edwards enough in this game. I know he still had a small cast on his hand, but Howard, that kid's dynamic. That kid can just do things. I was always taught to believe in crucial situations, you put the ball in the hands of your playmaker, not in Loveland. No offense to Loveland. He's going to be a great tight end, but you asked a lot of that kid.
0: Yeah, and and, and I think I, I'm not so sure um, how healthy Edwards was for this game. Um, you know, that that's, has to be part of uh, of what was going on, I would think, in the thought process of of that Michigan, you know, the way they call plays and what they do, that you want to have him out there at, at every opportunity you can. But even if he was healthy, I thought that one of the things that happened, you know, the offensive line really struggled. You know, we talked about the defensive scheme that the TCU was running. Um, and one of the things I'll always do, and this happened – this happened when going back to the Rose Bowl, the first time we saw TCU uh, out in Pasadena versus Wisconsin. I love to spend time because I don't get a chance to see the uh, you know the opposing teams at all really during the season. Uh, so I want to go, I want to go eye these guys up, check them out in pregame, pregame stretch. I want to see them in warm ups. I want to see all these things. And this linebacker group, you know, I, I know you talk about having smaller guys that can run, right? But this is a bunch that – they're not small. This is a physical group that can get after it. And, you know, they were going to run through. And and Michigan's playing, right, you you got to secure the down linemen before you can go up to the next level. Mm -hmm. But the quickness that those backers had, when they read the double team, they were gone. They were downhill in a heartbeat. And by the time they were able to come off, you know, he was already gone past them. The linebacker was already past him. That wasn't just a run game. That was a pass game as well. So, you know, they really – they're, this is a really good team. TCU is no doubt. They they are a really good football team. Uh, the way they're constructed, the way they're built, um, yes, yeah, they're built as a spread team. And we thought that Michigan, who wants to be physical on both sides of the ball, would be able to just be able to wear those guys out. Right. I think Michigan believed that, too, uh, until <laughs> they got into the middle of this game. And this team, TCU team, was hard to handle. They did a great job on uh, their their top receiver early. Uh huh. They they didn't get away from they found ways to give him the ball, and
1: he really took off and exploded in the second half of the game. He did, Howard. And a part of me is wondering, man, I, I know it. you played this game before, and I've talked to you about it, the bulletin board material, but it did kind of feel like Michigan, not only did they believe their own press clippings, you know, whether it was uh, Junior Colson, you know, jokingly saying eh, what conference do they play in, or you know, uh, JJ saying you know if they run the three three five, what they were going to do. Like, why would you do that? Like, it, why? Would, I, I I don't understand it. And yeah, Sonny Dykes came out and said, yeah, we internalized all of it. We knew everything that they said, and, and we took it to them. because you're right. Uh, the linebacker, was it the D Williams, the number 13? He got one of the pick sixes that Ooh. it was like, okay.
0: Yeah,
1: right. And, and even the cameras was like, they were following down the field. Like, no, nope, he caught the ball. He's going the other way. Yeah. When you look at this, it was almost like, it felt as if, in my opinion, Michigan didn't come into this game as prepared. And they thought that it was going to be easy instead of just taking care of business because I think if they took care of their business, Howard, they win this game in a, in a route, they left at least 30 points on the field, whether it was the pick sixes, the fourth mm-hmm. down plays, the red zone troubles, like everything that yeah. we kind of talked about for their team, mm-hmm. man, it it, it it came to fruition in this game. They, they struggled in the red zone. You know, they struggled in scoring points in the first half. Now, the second half, they shut teams down. Mm -hmm. that may have been the most entertaining third quarter I've ever seen in college football. (laughs) Yeah, they were getting
0: it. They were slinging the ball around. I tell you, pregame, I talked to um, one of their recruiting directors at TCU who used to be at Ohio State, and he says, we're putting a game in in J.J.'s hands. We want to see if J.J. can beat us. And and that was, you know, when you you look at his numbers versus a nickel or dime defense, his completion rate – completion rate was around 55%, which, which isn't bad, right? It's not mm-hmm. bad. But when he was playing base coverage, two corners and two safeties, he was at 75%. So there you, there was a clear drop-off. Um, but you think about it, right? You talk about playing with three down linemen. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're going to run against that all day long, right? Michigan coming into this thing two years in a row, Joe Moore award winner. Right. But one of the questions was, and I thought this too, listen, I, I thought Michigan did an outstanding job of hand, handling their business and the way they went through the week media-wise. But when I taught, when we were doing our pregame, I said, well, yeah, they've said and done all the right things outside of, you know, a few comments here and there. But, you know, that's going to happen during the week. But the reality is that we're going to find out when the game starts. That's when you find out, you know, how ready they are. Because you can, you know, you can prepare and you can do everything you need to do, and you still find yourself in a dogfight, and that's what they found themselves in the middle of. And they just couldn't couldn't get the answers. They would go back and forth, but when they needed to make some plays, you know, down the stretch, it just, just couldn't make it. So yeah. uh, and they couldn't come up with the big stops when they needed. But but when you talk about not being able to execute in red zone, you know, as you mentioned, that's been a problem, been an issue all year that, that they hadn't been able to correct.
1: Yeah, and it was just really weird because, you know, my father always told me never play another man's game. TCU, as you said, they 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 made them play their game. Michigan was a run-oriented team; they would just jam it down your throat, especially in the second half. And I, I, I jokingly said, "Hey, did Donovan Edwards even play in the fourth quarter?" Because yeah. it truly was JJ. He mm-hmm. accepted the challenge, but I yeah. think he took the bait. And he accepted the challenge. They went away from the run game, and it was he was just back there playing 500 with his receivers. He made a lot of great throws. I mean, mm-hmm. one of them uh, earlier in the game, I, it was the controversial, where it looked like the receiver caught it for a touchdown. They went back because mm-hmm. I thought he bobbled it. I did. Mm-hmm. And then when I saw the replay, the replay was inconclusive. And then they showed another angle, and I was like, wow, he actually pinned it to himself. He didn't bobble mm-hmm. it. It right. was a good call. You're out first and goal from the one-foot line. Maybe I'm oversimplifying things. Right. I sit in the huddle. Guys, I'm going to run a quarterback sneak four times. You're the best offensive line in college football. If we can't score, we don't need to deserve to win this game. And somehow or another, it was almost like the in the NFL, the uh, that Buffalo-Minnesota game where it looked like a foregone conclusion, and all of a sudden you see players pointing and pointing. I was like, wait, why are TCU players pointing – their ball. He just stopped him, right? And you see, it yeah. was a fumble. It was like Michigan couldn't get out of their way. It's like they abandoned, in my opinion, they abandoned their own game plan, that winning game plan. said J.J. accepted it. J.J. played well. He had a lot of big runs late in the game, uh, that two-point conversion, but they went away from the running back. And I, and I think that, to me, was to their detriment. But it, it, through all of that, through all the mistakes, through everything that happened, they still had an opportunity late in the game. To, to and, and it was almost like the script was writing itself. You're down by six. Mm-hmm. You score, you kick the extra point. Moody kicks a 59-yard field goal. Yeah. It, it, it looked like they were going to get it. But then, man, they fumbled that final snap and had right. to play, mm-hmm. you know, throw the ball around and and and. Next thing you know, the game was over. And I and I think for a lot of Michigan fans and the Michigan players, it was kind of that deer in the head like Howard, what happened? How, how did right. how did we get here?
0: Yeah. And, and it was one of those tough ones. But, you know, going back to that goal line play on the fumble, you know, with the best offensive line in the country, you expect to be able to hit a quick uh, a quick hitter and, and be able to, to get it in there. But you gotta be able to execute the you know, the center quarterback exchange, the handoff to the fullback, you've got to be able to execute that. Now, there'll be people who say all day long, well, they're they're mostly in shotgun. They spend a lot of time in shotgun. So why would you go in that direction? But, you know, you call those plays and, you know, they've got to be executed. Right. And that's that's you know, ultimately come what it comes down to. And, you know, something that I think probably wasn't talked about enough um, is the pressure of, of being an undefeated team at, at that particular point. Um, there's a lot of things that go into that, right? And you just, it's just a foregone conclusion that there's no pressure.
1: there you know, have been
0: a lot of pressure situations, right? Having to come back, right. second half, really having to rally, struggling. But I think when you look at it in its totality, when you start, you know, you're undefeated. Nobody really talked about it. I mean, it's like, okay, we're in a championship, so everything starts over. Well, the pressure's still there. You're still trying to stay undefeated. You're trying to get...
1: Uh, But see, Howard,
0: you know, those things happen.
1: See, I see. I get what you're saying. But I would think the better the more pressure came not from being undefeated. I think more pressure came from everybody saying you're going to beat this team and you're going to be in a championship game. Expectations were high. I I guess I didn't feel like that pressure, like, oh, my God, can we stay undefeated? Because everybody and their mother. I mean, out, no one outside of the Dallas area gave TCU a shot at this thing. So that's why I guess I look at that as the pressure was you're supposed to be in SoFi. You're supposed to be mm-hmm. holding new press conferences right now. Yeah. I, I get what you're saying. See, I just thought it was a little overconfidence, and they, they didn't realize that TCU, they're on scholarship too. They're, they're not the Washington Generals. They wanted to win the game just as tough. And, and man your the, their defense for, for to only rushed three people it seemed like they were rushing seven or eight because e- e- either the play broke down and it was coverage sacks or they would have to throw the ball out of bounds when they yeah. tried to run it uh, those three people uh, they, they 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 were yeah. like superman they were they they were they were marvel superheroes because they were moving so fast Other than the first play of the game, they bottled up the run game. And and as you say, J.J., no, no, you're going to have to beat us. And we don't think you can. They gambled. They guessed right. Now they're going on to the national title game.
0: Yeah, and and let's go back a little bit. Let's go back to the Illinois game. Illinois is a team that runs a three-four front. Uh, They'll run the three downs. They'll have some sort of combination. What they decided to do with the linebacker at that level? But that was the team that gave Mm -hmm. Michigan the most trouble. And they will tell you, to a man, that Illinois team, the guys up front got after us. The secondary uh, was really physical at the point of attack. And that's what you saw, particularly up front in this game. You know, They had a true freshman playing the nose. And the first play, he gets blasted out of there and Edwards is gone. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a long day. They're not going to be able to hold up. But the challenge is you don't know who's coming. And right. it's not like those guys, the linebackers, were 110 pounds running around there. You know, you're talking about guys at 240. At least that's the way they look, and that's the way they play. So all they need is to get an angle. And once they have an angle, it's tough for that offensive line to be able to come off when you're not accustomed to seeing and practicing against a scheme that that's going to cause you some problems. Yeah. And particularly, you talk about third down, when you're not sure – where that extra rusher is going to be. Is it going to be four? Is it going to be five? And you need that whole line and tight ends to be able to hold up. And in some instances, they weren't able to do it. And you thought they would have some issues early and things would settle down because we bought into the whole, you know, their, their second half team. We've watched them do it. We've seen this before. Um, so you say, okay, we'll get to halftime. But this thing just, you know, the first half is like, what is going on? I mean, it. Things have to slow down a little bit for them. Right. They didn't. And Well did, at the beginning of the second
1: half. Happened. beginning of the second half hour it did because they kinda of went to three and out. And I think yeah. they got one first down. And you're like, Yep, I've seen this movie before. Michigan's mm-hmm. about to put the beat down and the clamps on. And yeah. how about no? I mean, they're down yeah. their main running back. The, the the next guy comes in there, uh Di Micardo. And yeah, he just kept this thing going. It kind of reminded me when Corum went down and Edwards said, that's okay. I'm just as good. And he kept mm-hmm. it going against Ohio State. Yeah. So <clears throat> yeah, I I look at this and yeah, they you're right. It it did have that feel of Illinois and Illinois that Michigan beat them on the on the last second field goal. Yeah, it now that you mentioned it, Howard, yeah, they they were a little more athletic Illinois team. They went out mm-hmm. there, they had a game plan. Gonna we'll stop down, <clears throat> stop Michigan's run, and and force JJ to, to pass the ball. And I, I guess the two strengths of Michigan's team kind of got exposed: the offensive line, and and the defense. That second half defense, I yeah. it was like I said, <clears throat> the if you're as somebody with no dog in the fight, and it was entertaining. It, I felt. I told – somebody asked me, was like, is this the most entertaining game that you ever watched? And I was like, you know what? It may be number two, only to the Boise State-Oklahoma game.
0: Yeah, that was a good one. That
1: that still, to me, was the most entertaining game with all the trick plays and everything like that. But that went to overtime. This didn't have to go to overtime. So TCU moves on. They take on a Georgia team. If I'm Ohio State, Ryan Day (sighs) – you, you had the lead for almost fifty nine minutes of the game, yeah. but you didn't have the lead at the right time. At the very end, you had an opportunity. Yeah, I, honestly, I may be oversimplifying this, Howard. You can stop me if I am. This whole thing changed when Marvin ha- Harrison Jr. got knocked out the game. It was a legal hit. Start? See, I don't. Th- I think it was a legal hit. I think it was just. I don't think it was targeting Howard. I think it was just an old school, you know, hard hit, an Ed Reed type of a hit where it wasn't dirty, but man, you're going to feel that one. And it was just unfortunate. I didn't see it as that. And I watched it over and over again because I'm like, I don't want to look at it with Big Ten glasses. Right. I was like, he actually just kind of really lit him up. And unless you want to say defenseless receiver, now if you want to go that route, I'll give you that. But the hit, yeah, in my that's, that's opinion, yeah, and you know what, you're right, yeah, that's, that's that's part of it. That's why the BTA gives you I the mean, big, you're absolutely right, though. I, I think you're right.
0: When when uh, when you lose the you know, arguably the best player on the field for either team, yeah, uh, when he's not in there, I mean, it, it's a problem, right? It, it, it is absolutely a problem, man. That's when things changed. but I, I thought CJ Stroud really were <laughs> a guy who, for the most part during the year, you know, didn't really want to run. Right, uh, but there were some opportunities, and he, he had to run in this type, in this game the way it was the way it was unfolding. Right, um, but they answered a lot of he answered a lot of questions that I think that people had of him and his ability to be able to scramble and put his head down and try to get that extra yard.
1: Howard, do you hear that? That's the silence (laughs) from his critics because he shut everybody up. This man, in, in one game, improved his draft stock tremendously where he answered all the questions that people said he couldn't do. He did. He used his legs. He scrambled. I mean, even late in the game, I questioned Man, I questioned Ryan Day at the end. Like, Don't settle for a long field goal. He got you down to the 30. Run some plays. Use the sideline. If you're going to go for the winning field goal, make it easier on your kicker. And it was like, nah, I'm good. We should probably settle for like a 45-yard kick in college. That's not a gimme. Maybe in the pros, but... uh, when he scrambled and got there I said oh my god Ohio State's about to knock off Georgia this mm-hmm. really is about to happen C.J. Stroud of all the quarterbacks that you saw if C.J. Stroud played this way during the regular season Howard I do believe he would have won the Heisman Trophy
0: well things were set up for him to do that I, I think one of the reasons he didn't was you know obviously the loss to to Michigan right um, It was a big part of it um because people were then all of a sudden looking. And he had some games earlier that the numbers weren't necessarily great. But he played like that every weekend. It's no question. You know, he probably wins it
1: wins it quite handily. Right. Um, right. Because to me, Caleb Williams won it because somebody had to win it. So he right. had a game. You're like, well, you know what? We got to give it to him. Look at what he did against UCLA. I guess mm-hmm. he gets it. But Stroud, if Stroud did that stuff against Michigan, he would have been an easy – First play, he would have been on everybody's first ballot of winning it. But, yeah, I just – I was sitting there, and a couple of times I'm just a, a, clapping at the TV set, like, you know what, this, hey, strong J. <laughs> <laughs> no
0: well, I, I tell you, I think one of the things that has probably come out of this – well, it has come out of this. I think he probably – Ryan Day probably mentioned this and has been thinking about it for a while, particularly since Kevin Wilson uh, has moved on to his head coaching job. Um, is giving up the play call. There, there's been a lot of talk, you know, as a head coach, particularly on the offensive side, defense too. You know, can you can you really manage the the league teams and also be that play caller and still be able to be involved with everything that's going on? I know say what you want to say. People can say what they want to say about Urban. But I think one of the, his best qualities as, as a college Football Hall of Fame coach, was his ability to press all the buttons in, yeah. in every area, whether it was offense, defense, uh, special, special teams. Yeah. He knew how to press the buttons. I, I would say this. Urban Urban would look at the program from 30,000 feet, see the issues, drop in, fix the issues, and go back up to 30,000 feet and make sure everything is running the way it needs to. And, and I think Ryan Day has, has gotten to the point now where – He's going to relinquish those play calling duties because you know, I think it, it, it'd be better for him and better for the team if he can be involved in the entire uh, offense, defense, and special teams to be able to look at it and trust that the next person that's going to call plays for him is, is going to do the things that he needs to do.
1: You know, what? It's, it's funny that you say that um, and, and talking about the national title games, Georgia's going to take on TCU. Both Big Ten teams are out. But you talk about Ryan Day, Howard, and I do want to touch upon the coaches, different directions that they're going in. Did Ryan Day do enough to, I guess, did he have a good enough loss that Ohio State fans may give him a little bit of, cut him some slack, <laughs> and it's not so much run him out of town because if, if that Ryan Day showed up with that Ohio State team throughout the entire year, hmm I think we're looking at something totally different. We're, we're probably, you know, they 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 would have probably beaten Michigan. They would have won the Big Ten because I think a lot of people are looking at what Michigan was doing and saying, "Well, Ryan, why aren't we beating Michigan anymore? Not only are we not winning, we're getting embarrassed. But the fact that you hung with the defending champion and had an opportunity to win, mm-hmm. d- did he did he did he get people off of his back? Because I think that he did. I think that he bought himself." Some some time to correct the problem. Now you can't lose in a blowout to Michigan again. I can't help you, Ryan. If you do this, you're on your own. Yeah. But right now, Howard, it sounds silly, but if you're a Buckeye fan, you gotta kind of feel good about this loss. It ain't as devastating because you went toe to toe with the champion and gave them everything you had. Yeah, I mean, you would think, but. You know, Ohio State
0: fans are are, are just that—they're they're fanatics, and they are, they want to win the, uh, the Michigan that the rivalry, right? Versus Michigan, they don't want to be embarrassed against them. And then just not to be able to complete the task after being able to to slide in there and have a chance to compete for the title. But you know, they they played you know, offensively. This is what you wanted to see, but you know, it's hard to take the gauge because they're you know, they want to be Michigan. That's what—that's their stated one of their stated goals each and every year is beating Michigan, winning the Big Ten title, and all all of that stuff. Winning the Big Ten title comes with beating Michigan because they have—that's the only way to compete for it if you win that game, right? Uh, in most years, so you know I, I think people are still going to um, say what they want to say about Ryan Day. Uh, at the end of the day, you look at it as two two losses in a row. Right. And that's that's just what it is. And, um, you know, they've got to figure out how to bounce back. They still have to correct the issues. I don't think the issues necessarily have been solved. Yes, they went toe to toe with a chance, but did they really solve the issues that they had? I don't know. We won't know until next year. And that's what's tough about this Ohio State team. And It's going to be tough now about this Michigan team as well is first of all, you you get into bowl games or, or uh, playoffs, and, and you're not able to have the success you want. So now the narrative is right back to, not that it's changed, but the Big Ten can't win the big games when it counts. Because now, that's where you judge, you judge in the playoff games. Obviously, uh, Penn State was able to win the Rose Bowl, but what people are going to say is they're going to push that game to the side. And they say, but what happened in the games to win the National right. title? and they'll say they couldn't get it done so that they're <laughs> overrated and, you know, conferences are overrated.
1: So, no, you're funny. I mean, I'm laughing because, yeah, we've gotten to the point where the Rose Bowl, you know, it might as well be the who gives a damn bowl. Yeah, yeah It's cool and all, you know. Then leave it to Howard to be the negative guy on this show. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not negative. I'm <laughs> no, you're I'm kidding. I'm
0: nationally. kidding. People are not hype aren't hyped about the Big Ten. It no. gave them every reason to say, yeah, it's just the Big Ten. Even though they were unbelievable, both games were unbelievable, as we've talked about. But if you're a Big Ten fan, if you're Ohio State or a Michigan fan, or you're just someone that just wants to see the conference take that next step, it was right there in front of
1: them. So what, what does the Big Ten have to do to get over that hump, to do something that Ohio State – did back in what 2014? Like what? What, mm-hmm. what has to happen? Because I thought you're right. I thought both teams had the formula to get it done. There was no team loaded with NFL talent from the SEC this season. Honestly, I thought this was going to be Michigan's year because yeah. you know I, I I bought into the okay you got TCU and now you just got to get it ready for whoever survives that beatdown against right. Georgia and Ohio State. You benefit from this, and instead, you know, in a, in a year that I kind of thought the deck was stacked in the Big Ten's favor, they got nothing. I mean, is it coaching? Is it playmaker? Is it facilities? I mean, what does the Big Ten need to change, Howard, to finally grasp that brass ring and get, and get the title again?
0: Yeah, I, honestly, I, I think it, it has nothing to do with facilities. I mean, you know, both teams – listen, Ohio State has – outdated facilities. We know they need to do something about that. They know that. That's no big deal. Uh, Michigan has been continuing to do what they need to do, right? They, when you look at their strength and conditioning departments, both of them have unbelievable people in leadership uh, with Mickey Moratti and Ben at, at Michigan that are doing unbelievable jobs of getting these uh, young people prepared to play. I mean, you look at the coaching staffs, right? I, I like both coaching staffs. You can complain about Uh, Ohio State from a defensive standpoint of giving up big plays every now and then, but when you go back and look at it, you know, the players were in position to make the plays. So it wasn't necessarily the scheme that failed them, but it was the players in certain situations that didn't make the plays. So to say all of that, it's about it comes down to execution. That's really because I don't think any any one of those programs need to change or or do something that's different they both found themselves in the playoffs or earned their way to the playoffs and couldn't get it done in in the semifinal games. And and if you're going to be, if you're going to be that, that elite dominant program, right? There's only going to be one every year. Right. It's going to be happy. Right. It's only one that's going to win the championship, but to be able to put yourself in that position, yeah, you've got to continue to execute each and every week, but man, when it counts in that game in the, on the big stage, Let's remember that this TCU staff, this is their first year
1: together. You're right. It's, this is, this thing, it wasn't like they were world beaters last year. They were five and seven. This this is
0: not, I mean, they're top receivers. They had guys wanting to transfer, get out of there go to better places. And the job that Sonny Dykes and that coaching staff did is, is unbelievable. Uh, to be in this position, Sonny Dykes got fired from Cal. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's not, you talk about the perfect storm and putting your people in position. Um, the- yeah you, We looked at this receiver group at, at TCU, they're all 6'4, 6'3, 6'4, 215. They got one guy that's like 5'10, he's a quick guy inside. But you, you look at this Georgia team, you see how big and physical they are, but they yeah. were down some players. Some players got hurt in that game for them as well. So it comes down to just being able to execute, you know, Stetson was in some tough situations, but he bounced back. Um, Will Johnson was missing uh, some in the second half of that game for Michigan. And I think that had a lot to do with, you know, what happened uh, in the past game for them. But shoot, I don't think it's anything that either program needs to change um, to, to be able to win a national title. I think they're there. I think there's always tweaks that you can make. We're going to see that now uh, with play calling duties that are going to be passed off um, to. I guess you have to think right now it's going to be Brian Hartline is going to be making the making the calls over there offensively. Um, but that hasn't. I don't think that's been finalized yet or announced yet. So they're making internal tweaks. They're both you know doing what they need to do in, in the recruiting side of it. And you look at Michigan, they're killing it in the transfer portal as they've done. Right. So Not, but there's no reason it. to think that they can't be right back in this situation once again next year, but things still have to play out. you got to play the games.
1: One reason for Michigan, Howard, and, and I want to end it with this. Last year, Harbaugh interviewed for the Minnesota Viking job. Interviewed on signing day, and it was the second signing day, and they weren't bringing mm-hmm. anybody in, but it was these, it was the optics. It was a bad look. He came yeah. back, little hat in hand, guys, I scratched the itch, I'm done, I'm happy at Michigan, go blue, life's great. Except we've already now heard two confirmed reports, he talked to the Broncos people, just talking, not interviewing, mm-hmm. had a sit down in Carolina, he went on a you know a news station in Carolina and said, hey, he hopes to be back at Michigan, but you don't know what the future brings. I guess, uh, is, is it just the nature of the beast? Because I'm thinking, what happened to the man about a year ago who said, hey, I ain't going nowhere. I'm here for life. Because, yeah. I, honestly, I don't think life could get any better for Jim Harbaugh than it is at Michigan right now. He's got that thing humming. It took seven years, but in these last two years, he's – the road goes through Ann Arbor. My only mm-hmm. thing is, if you look at his history – he doesn't stay places long. This is the longest he stayed at a job. Normally, yeah. like, three, four years, and I'm out, new job, new opportunity. Is it just the fact that maybe he just wants to scratch that NFL itch? Because I, I said that he probably wouldn't, except for most coaches would be satisfied saying, well, at least I made it to the Super Bowl, except you lost to your brother. Yeah. So every time you had a family outing, every time, you know— I'm quite sure that John Harbaugh, when Jim says, hey, can you pass the potatoes, grabs the hand with the ring on it and hands it over to him so he can see that ring. Is it just the fact that, you know what, he he still has that last itch to scratch of winning the Super Bowl, or is this just all about nothing and he's probably going to end up back in Ann Arbor?
0: Well, let's look at it this way. I think that anytime you have coaches that get to the playoffs, right? And he's had two teams he's won the Big Ten with, been to the playoffs, hasn't had the success there that he was. Right. I, I think any team, NFL team, or even if there were another college team, that you would reach out to Jim Harbaugh and figure out, hey, everything good to gauge interest. I, I think that's I think if you're if you're on the other side of that coin and you have your list. I mean, Ryan Day would be on that list as well. Yeah. As coaches, I want to know, you know, what kind of interest you might have at the next level, particularly if you had some experience at the NFL level. You, you're going you're to always garner that interest. And Jim Harbaugh's name as a player in the National Football League, as a coach in the National Football League, and now doing college, you know, owners really want to see if, if that's a guy that can help them get over the hump because he's gotten Michigan to where they're in the middle of national championship races the last couple of years. So I think it a lot to do about nothing, but I will say this, if you are a competitor, which we all know he truly is. And as you just described, let's pass the potatoes. <laughs> uh, there's still some racking rights in that house that he can't, you know, stay claim to Yeah. Uh, And, you know, I I think that any great coach will always, I think, in the back of their mind, be wondering, I mean, can I do it at the next level? I've been there, but can I do it? And you might have the best situation you could possibly have, because I I think right now, I mean, I don't know that there's an NFL situation that's, that's set up better than his Michigan ties right now. That thing is going to be humming and humming for for a couple of years for the foreseeable future. Yeah, um, at, at, in Ann Arbor, so you you would like to think that he would stay. See,
1: the that's only cool. one is Indianapolis. Yeah, you're in the yeah, ring of you're nice in the ring of honor. Day, man, but yeah. it, you know
0: that's still not. I, I, it, it's going to take time, right? If you go to a place like Indianapolis, it's going to take time, and I know they can throw all the money at you that they want to. But at this particular point I'm sure it's not about money for, for Jim Harbaugh and I just think that if you are You're always going to have that In the back of your mind I think teams are all If you're a successful coach The NFL is always going to be called The problem is Because of what happened last year Because of you know the, the interest That the NFL has had in him in the past That's going to come up every year That he's successful at the college level Now when it won't come up when he doesn't beat Ohio State and he Damn. doesn't finish, you know, nobody's gonna talk about it. But this is this is always going to be the issue if you have your program rolling at a high level. You're gonna lose coaches, assistant coaches. It, it happens every year with these programs. Can you can you hold on to your head coach? You know, that that's a challenge. But Jim Harbaugh is a is a hot name and will always be a hot name as long as he's winning football games. And people are always going to want to gauge his issues. But I think at the end of the day, I think he's in Ann Arbor. And I think he's got a good thing he's going to continue to stick with.
1: All right. Well, Howard, real quick, we'll be back on next Tuesday to break down the national title game. But who you got in this game? Georgia, TCU. (sighs) Now it's like, okay, I need
0: to take TCU, right? I mean, when I watch them play, it's like, how can I not take TCU? With the speed and ability that they have, and the cin- Cinderella story that has now developed for this program, but I still think Georgia, at the end of the day, with with enough time that they've had to to prepare, uh, and the athletes that they have in the secondary, because I think if you can hold up in the secondary, you'll be able to to slow them down. If your front can can take away the run, and they've proven that, that they can they can create some pressure. So if if they can force turnovers in this game, I think TCU can win it. But I just don't know if Stetson is going to be giving the ball away. So, unfortunately, I have to say I'm going to have to roll with Georgia, even though the TCU story
1: is it's great such story. a great story. Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm with you. If, if Kendra Miller were playing in this game, the running back for TCU, mm-hmm. I would feel confident because numbers say t- it favors TCU. The reason being mm-hmm. – hasn't been a back-to-back champion in a while. Yeah. Okay, every time you thought Bama was going to roll in there, they didn't. Mm-hmm. Clemson, back. no, they didn't. Now, this is Georgia's chance to go in there and, and prove everybody wrong, but I do think that the absence of Kendra Miller, that that running back, and I don't think Stetson Bennett. Let's face it. If J.J. doesn't throw two pick sixes, he only throws one. Yeah. Michigan wins this game, but we're talking they about Michigan-Georgia. Yeah. So... You're right. I think it's a great story, but I think in the end, just it's it's just gonna be too much athletes on, on the Georgia side, and yeah, Georgia will get it done, and we'll end up looking ridiculous on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, and I'll say this. One thing that we know is
0: not gonna happen
1: yeah. is
0: Georgia's not gonna underestimate.
1: No, TCU. I, I yeah. my only thing, I hope and pray that game is just as entertaining as the two semifinal games, because yeah, yeah I. Honestly, I was a little leery, and I knew this was going to happen. When when Alabama played and Bryce Young and Will Anderson played in that game before the semifinal games, Mm -hmm. Nick Saban wanted to set a statement. You put the wrong team in there. Now, Mm -hmm. Nick was hoping that it was going to be a blowout game and one of these teams, so he could be like, see, we should have been in there. I still say if it were a 12-team playoff, Alabama's maybe the most dangerous team, but they're not there. But man, to have Bama play the way they did in those four in the other two games with those four teams, it is everything that I've been asking for. It's why I'm looking forward to the 12-team playoff because yeah. and, And 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 then I'll end it on this. For anybody watching next year, your team is not in the initial college football playoff poll. Relax. You know who wasn't in that? You know who wasn't in that poll this year? TCU. TCU? Yeah. Even in the final poll, TCU, I think, was 11th. Yeah. So they weren't in the top 10. So I know we like to freak out and overreact, but if your team's not in there, relax. Doesn't mean that they're out of it. Just means that they're just laying in the weeds. So, Howard, good talking with you. Good seeing you again. Once again, sorry for the delay, but, you know, life happens. It happens. So, you know, I was. if not, I, I, what you guys didn't know, Howard told me I can just go ahead and pack my stuff up and come in and move in with him. So he'll, <laughs> he'll, he'll send me next to the dog and his Super Bowl trophies. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. All right, Howard, good talking with you. We'll be back on Tuesday to break down that national title game. Thanks for listening. Keep subscribing. Keep watching the Five Star Zone.